One of the most rewarding things for me and Ed about doing Medics Money and this podcast is hearing from listeners like yourself, our colleagues, who have used this information to transform their financial future, doing all the sensible financial planning things that we advise, like paying the right amount of tax, getting an emergency fund, making sure you've got adequate income, critical illness and life insurance in place, and investing in a safe and non-risky way. But it turns out, that there's quite a lot of you that disregard all that information and are instead attracted to high risk, volatile investments in inverted commas like Bitcoin. And episode 60 we did on Bitcoin is consistently one of our most popular episodes. So reluctantly, we're doing another one with an expert who is also a doctor and we're just getting an update on what's been going on in the Bitcoin space and a few things have changed since episode 60, most noticeably the price of Bitcoin. But we'll also discuss things wider about the future of cryptocurrencies, NFTs, staking, what happened with the collapse of some exchanges. And every single podcast here has a massive disclaimer on that this is not advice and not guidance. And never before has that been more useful. If you want to hear my views on crypto in detail, episode 60 is where it's at. But nothing about this podcast is advice. Nothing about this is us recommending any of the things that are mentioned today. Same goes for today's guest. You get the idea. It's highly risky. I don't touch it, but seems like some of you do. So let's get into the episode today. The Medics Money podcast helps doctors, dentists, and other professionals make better financial decisions. Hosted by myself, Dr. Tommy Perkins, a GP. And by me, Dr. Ed Cantelow, a GP, but also a chartered accountant and chartered tax advisor. This podcast is for general information only and does not constitute any form of advice and tax allowances and rates are subject to change. So it is my absolute pleasure to welcome back to the Medics Money podcast, a veteran of the podcast, Dr. Abdullah Albiati. Hi, mate. Hey, Tommy. How are you doing? I'm good. So our last episode we did together was episode 60, Bitcoin Scam or Hoddle, is one of the most popular episodes consistently in the top 10. So we thought we'd get you back to update that and see what's new and changing in the world of crypto. But since we last spoke, quite a bit has changed in general, I think you've got a new addition to the family. Is that right? Yeah, I mean, I thought you just invited me back because times are slow and your material's running out. Absolutely not, mate. It's just the listeners want clickbait and you got clickbait, like, you know, a title of Bitcoin scam or hodl is obviously in the top 10. But that was a really interesting episode because, you know, we're going to find out why you're an expert in crypto. But other things have been changing as well with your family. Yeah, so, you know, I'm very happy to say that we've got a baby daughter since you and I last spoke. We adopted her about, it must be seven months now. And she's a lovely, wonderful two-year-old who's full of energy and really the main focus of our lives now. Hey, I'm so happy for you. And I also know the struggle. I don't think anything really prepares you for the sort of change in your lifestyle that having children brings with you. I mean, you're a busy guy. How's it kind of impacted your productivity and things like that? Yeah. So you can imagine, you know, going from nothing to two-year-old is like going from naught to 60 in a second, especially when they come with their own challenging background and their own history and everything else. I mean, like everything, I think when we've spoken before, I'm very blessed to have the family and the support network that I have. I'm very lucky to have my wife who's always there by me. And I think from a work productivity side of things, I think I'm really fortunate that 
because I'd made the career choices that I have up until this point, I was totally in control of what I wanted to do. So normally what happens is you'd go on adoption leave or the equivalent of paternity leave, which is two weeks if you were a normal employee. I didn't need to do that. I just said, I'm not going to work for six weeks. And that was it. You know, I didn't locum for six weeks. I wanted to stay at home. I wanted to bond with her properly. I wanted to support my wife. So even though she would go on the equivalent of maternity leave, it's same conditions and same time length. I had that ability and that flexibility to just say, I'm not working. This is my priority right now. Yeah. And, and I think it's a cliche that they grow up really fast and you don't ever get this time back. But, you know, they really do grow up you know, so fast. And also productivity wise, I found that it really focused me, you know, because I wasn't like deliberating over things anymore. I was just getting things done so that I could spend more time with the family. And actually one time it really worked to my advantage because I was feeding my first daughter. It was like 1am and there's nothing to do except feed them. And so I was like, I got a WhatsApp at 1am from someone that we really wanted to work with who was in Singapore. And so it's like, I had their undivided attention and I actually managed to <laughs> do a bit of work at 1am. And if I wasn't up and feeding, that would have never happened because then, you know, they're busy people. It's like, you know, no one else is in their WhatsApp at 1am. So yeah, you can you know, always work around it. And uh, yeah, I'm just so happy for you guys. So that's one thing that's changed. Another thing that's changed massively is the price of Bitcoin because last time we recorded, I think it was around 25,000 per Bitcoin. Then I told everyone why I wasn't really into Bitcoin and you told everyone why you were and Bitcoin then doubled. Yeah. And, and now it's, where are we at now? We're 17 today. I think 17,000 pounds. Okay. So that's quite a big fall. So yeah. And in that podcast, you know, you demonstrated your expertise about Bitcoin and, and why you believe in cryptocurrencies in general. I said that I didn't hold any cryptocurrency and I still don't. And the main reason that I sort of said was that it's really volatile and it's really high risk. And I don't mind volatile, high risk investments. You know, I have a stock portfolio, which is also volatile. But I think if you're going to hold a volatile investment, you need to really understand it and you need to really believe it because... The first time a crash comes, and it will come, like these happen, whatever kind of asset you're holding. If you don't believe in that asset, then that's going to lead to panic. And then when you panic, you do stupid things like sell low and buy high, sell low, never great. And I guess the reason why I didn't believe, I think you debunked some of these reasons, but Bitcoin's been a currency since 2013, but you know I've never been able to spend any. And you mentioned that you had managed to spend some in Lush Cosmetics, as far as I recall. <laughs> Lush cosmetics. <laughs> I mean, I've personally, you know, bought and sold obviously cryptocurrency, Bitcoin mainly to make profit. But certainly when I came to buying my house that I live in, I sold Bitcoin in order to buy my house. And that was a very interesting conversation when I turned up to the bank. So for anybody who's managed to get their own property, you normally have to go and sort out the deposit so you can do the exchange of the contracts and then you need to complete the actual house. So when I was turning up to the bank, I was having to explain to them that, yes, I want this money that just entered my account from this website you've never heard of to go into the seller's or lawyer's account for the deposit. And the bank, it was NatWest, and they just looked at me like, huh? And I had to like show them my app. I had to log in. I said, look, this is what it is. Like you may have heard of this. This is how much I owe. You can see I've sold some. This is what I was transferring across. They had to call somebody to call somebody to call somebody but then came back and said, okay, yeah, that's fine. That's cleared. So that was a very interesting, hairy moment. And again, 
I think from the last podcast, I said, this is why I really strongly believe in cryptocurrencies, because the bank had me essentially by the short and curlies. If they just said, no, we're not happy to take your money and send it to your lawyer. So what, I can't buy my house with my money. No, we're not happy about that. So another reason why I don't think central banking is the way forward. Yeah. And what you're sort of referring to there is that these cryptocurrencies are decentralized, right? So, you know, if I wanted to go to the bank right now, get out hundred grand and give it to you, I would face all kinds of questions from the bank. But if I wanted to send you hundred grand worth of Bitcoin, I could do that with a few clicks because it's decentralized. Have I understood that correctly? Yeah, that's exactly it. And then I would receive the funds and I'd thank you very much. And that'd be the end. I know it's there for security and it probably would suit the majority of the population because the, unfortunately there is a lot of fraud and it does target a lot of vulnerable people. I mean, when I say vulnerable, you would think of kind of old and frail, but the scams are getting so complex now. So unfortunately, one of my family members got conned the other day. They sold their iPhone. The person came to their home, showed them what was basically a mirror version of a banking app and said, there you go. I've transferred the money to you. Are you happy? And she's like, yep, I can see that that money's left your account. And it was a total fraud. It wasn't the real banking app at all. And they just walked off with their iPhone. Or I know a friend of the family who is a medical professional and he lost £400,000 in a scam. And he contacted me seeing if I could help him recover it. And as he was telling me this story, I was like, mate, no, like what? And maybe they got themselves to blame. It was a random WhatsApp message they received one night that said, hi, Mike, I'll see you tomorrow. And I had an attractive lady on the WhatsApp profile image to which she replied, I'm not Mike. And then the conversation flourished from there for a few months until they got him to part with more and more money. And again, they used some kind of website to demonstrate how much he was earning and how well he was doing. And the rug got pulled from under his feet when he said, okay, great. I'd like to close my account and withdraw my funds now. And that's where everyone disappeared. Wow. Yeah. I mean, all scams are obvious in retrospect, definitely like <laughs> lower level, but I got a text the other day saying, you can now book your COVID job. And I was like, awesome. And I was like, hang on a minute. <laughs> And I mean, that is just the lowest level scam, isn't it? So like we also talked a bit last time that Bitcoin was a hedge against inflation. Some people said that it was a hedge against inflation. Inflation is going up. The price of Bitcoin is going down. Why has crypto in general not proven to be a hedge against inflation? Did you ever believe that or what's going on? I think it's still in its infancy. So you have to give it a little bit of leeway. I think you've also got to put things into context. So one of the things, you know, I'm trying to go back, should have listened to our podcast before recording this with you, but I remember going on about China and saying how challenging current global politics were. And you can see how Bitcoin is quite resistant to that. And again, you've seen that with what's happening with Ukraine and Russia, the petrol prices, energy, gas, you know, you name it. Now we've got List Trust as prime minister. I mean, things couldn't be worse. But this cryptocurrency, for me, is still holding its value. So we're talking about a kind of doomsday situation and comparing it from the 25,000 it was when we recorded to, say, 17,000 or by tomorrow, I'm sure it'll be 18,000. That's pretty good, especially when the pound is the lowest it's been against the dollar for decades now. So you always have to put things into context. And I think it really goes back to what you said at the beginning. You know, you should not put the vast majority of your savings or wealth into high risk investments such as cryptocurrency. And if you are going to do it, you need to forget about it. There are some cryptocurrencies such as altcoins where you try to ride the wave, whether you believe in the product or not. So that would be your Dogecoin or shipcoin, you can see it's going up. You don't care. You think it's a scam. It probably is a scam. 
but you're going to ride the wave and get in and get out whenever you can. Whereas there's things well more established, such as Bitcoin, which has been around for such a long time. I think you just need to buy it, sit on it, don't think about it. And then, you know, even when we talk about 17,000 pounds, I think if you've only been in this game for a year, you'd be like, oh my God, I had this money. It went to 50 and now it's gone down to 17. If you've been in this game as long as I've been in this game, it was 3,000 pounds. You know, you're laughing when it's 17,000 pounds. You're like, that's huge. I remember when it was 3,000 pounds. There's people even ahead of me or before me, if you will. And they remember when it was $500. So you always have to put things into perspective and hodl, I think is the right word when it comes to Bitcoin. Yeah. And if you're not familiar with why it's not a typo from me on the title, which does happen occasionally, if regular email listeners will observe, but it's H-O-D-L because originally... That was a typo in a forum of an early Bitcoin holder or something or other. Is that the HODL story? Yeah, I think in a mad panic, they typed it in capital letters and they got H-O-D-L out and that's become world famous now. <laughs> I like it. It's just, yeah, just a typo. Other reason I don't hold any, it's supposed to be a store of value and a store of value needs to be stable and boring. Like gold is reasonably stable and boring. Bitcoin is not stable and arguably definitely not boring, but unsuitable as a store of value, in my opinion, where you at with that? Yeah, I think that's a fair argument to say. Again, I spoke about the idea that it's appreciating over time. There will be blips and drops. But if you were to draw a line on your graph, you'd see it's only in ascension compared to other kind of products. I think the difference between it and gold as a store of value is the physical store of value. You know, if you want to accumulate gold, you're going to have to accumulate it in somebody else's warehouse to pay for those fees for their storage and everything else and you can't exactly put it in the back of your truck and transport it somewhere else or liquidate it and use those assets when you need to as easily so cryptocurrency is all digital and that way you can store as much as you want to store on your computer on the cloud and you don't need to worry about the physical entity such as gold yeah also this is from a non-verified source but i was reading the other day that you can buy gold etfs exchange traded funds which is kind of a way to buy gold without holding gold and there's 150 percent more gold owned in etfs than there is in the world apparently allegedly yeah i mean if it's not happened i'm sure there'll be people that are trying things i mean these things they come and go all the time you know when queen elizabeth died recently there were actually tokens that started in her name there and then so these things you know there'll always be somebody trying to find another way to squeeze a dollar yeah. And I think that's maybe something that is, you know, difficult around the space and that it all feels a bit scammy, where actually what you're saying is some things are just obvious scams. The example you just gave seems a good one and other things are more legit. But, you know, is that fair? Yeah, I think if you are not educated in a certain space, you know, as a good lesson, you should not be investing in it. And when I say educated, I mean educated. So there's no point in saying, oh, I've heard of apple before because i have an iphone so i'm gonna buy apple shares do you really know what's going on in apple do you know that the ceo is about to get fired do you know that they've got this issue outstanding with the us government do you know they've got this patent issue that they're challenging on i mean i've, I've made all these things up but my point is if you are going to invest in anything any product any company you really need to do your research about what their history is where they are now and what they're hoping to develop in the future the whole point of investing is taking risk there's no point in putting your money in it now it's a proven success the idea is that you need to get in there before it's a proven success but you can see that the ingredients and the person who's cooking this together looks like they're going to make a success of this yeah i mean the counter to that argument is you know i like boring 
stable investments. And so, you know, I agree. I have no idea what Apple's going to do. And I own Apple stock as part of the five and a half thousand other stocks that I own in a really diversified investment portfolio, because I believe over time, not advice, that my global stock market indices of five and a half thousand stocks will go up and to the right. And there'll definitely be downtimes. But over the last 150 years, the trend has been up and to the right. I suppose my problem with the Bitcoin graph is A, as I've demonstrated, I'm not an expert on it, but B, is kind of up and to the right depending on where you got in. And if you got in in the last few years, it's down to the right sharply. So, you know, it's a bit kind of, I don't know, it's a bit kind of new. Yeah, I would agree. And I would say, you know, I wouldn't want your listeners to get the impression I only invest in cryptocurrency, you know, from a very simple investment that everybody should do, have an ISA. You know, there's lots of simple things you should do. You know, you talk about the 500s that you can invest in. Yeah, that's a very stable one you can do. But there should always be your kind of, this is my Hail Mary move. If this comes off, then it'll take care of a lot of other issues. And I think from my perspective, I'm more accustomed to that appetite for risk because I've founded a couple of companies and because I've been involved in business for four or five years now, I've seen my journey as well as other people's journeys that if it's not the first idea, the second idea, it's going to be your 10th idea. And that 10th success is going to compensate for all the nine previous failures. And I think when I've got that kind of appetite, I don't mind taking some of my money, putting it into cryptocurrency and then, you know, see how it goes, if you will. I think when you talk about established companies as well, you know, there's no such thing that lasts forever. And if you just look at what's happened to our high streets in the past few years, you look at well-established you know, no one would think, you know, Virgin Mecca stores going down or House of Frasier or, you know, Debenhams is on the rocks or whatever it is. These are well-established high street shops in British culture. You know, you could continue Woolworths and the rest. You know, there's historical images of these shops being open. So I think just be smart. You need to get on when it's good and you need to certainly get off before everything falls apart. Yeah. And that's why I don't do it, because I just like to buy and hold my investments for years. And I think might be a Buffett quote that says, if you know nothing, buy everything. And the hardest part about investing is accepting that nobody knows everything. And once you accept that you know nothing, you buy everything. And that's what you're saying. You know, this is not your only investment. You've got other investments. I got other investments too. So as part of a very diversified portfolio, maybe you could get some crypto in there. I mean, I'm sighing because after our last podcast, I was so close to buying because I was just thinking about a portfolio and I was just thinking, okay, you know, let's just put 5% in there. But then I just came back on that circular argument that I know that when the dip came, I would be like, oh, you know, oh, I shouldn't have done that. I was right. And then I would sell. Whereas with my stock portfolio, when investing in stocks for years, I've been through, you know, several major downturns. I know my own behavior is that I won't sell in a downturn and I'm 100% confident, not advice, but I've been doing it for a while. And that's why I didn't decide to buy any. And then some crazy stuff started happening, okay? Because then we went from 50 down to 17,000. But can we talk about, last time we talked about Mt. Gox, I'm not going to go over that again, but can we talk about Celsius and stable coins? Because this was a bit of a concern for me. Yeah, so this is a very complex story, which is hard to cover in a single podcast. Sorry, I mean, mate. <laughs> Essentially, Celsius, if people want to research it, was a company that was put together by a guy called Daniel Leon. And the idea is that they would help people that need money. So essentially, they would loan out money. But the whole thing was based on cryptocurrency. So the idea is that 
you give us your cryptocurrency, we promise you very good returns on your cryptocurrency. So an example would be, give me your £10,000 worth of Bitcoin. We're going to give that to somebody else because they need the investment, like a mortgage or a loan. And then we're going to give you back 18% of what you've given us. Now, there were certain strings attached to that. So if you wanted the higher rates of return, you'd have to do it in their specific token that was joined with Celsius. So that makes sense. And for a long time, it was actually doing quite well. And people were seeing very good profits and very good returns. What happened is a culmination of things. So there was a stable coin. Just going to definition, stable coin is when something maintains its value. So it's not like other cryptocurrencies that bounce up and down. They are pegged to a fiat currency. So for example, there's something called Tether, if you will, and then that's $1 is always going to be the value of one Tether, if you will, and that's never going to change. So dollar goes up and down, the value of the Tether will go up and down with it as well. One of these stable currencies absolutely crashed. And the reason it crashed is because the amount they were borrowing to keep it going was getting shorted. So people were saying, I think this is going to go down. I think this is going to go down. And then it's the false fulfilling prophecy. I think that makes sense. You know, it's kind of once that started happening, it's writings on the wall, isn't it? Yeah. So when that started happening, there was a run on the banks. Everyone started pulling their money. That destabilizes stablecoin, which had a knock on effect to Celsius, where they'd lent out all this money to these really risky investments. And then they started to unravel as well. And essentially it went bankrupt. So there are lots of people that had lent their money to Celsius that now said, can I have my money back? Because I can see the writings on the wall. And they locked them in. They said, no, you can't have it back. We can't pay it out. They're having all sorts of problems now with the SEC. And the SEC is basically the US version of their banking standards Securities and Exchange Commission is what they're called, like our financial conduct authorities. And they're going over Celsius with a big stick. The story gets a little bit more dodgy. There's a good article in the Financial Times if you want to read about Celsius and what happened there. And it talks about how the founders and the high-level staff, such as CEOs, etc., were selling their Celsius and withdrawing their money whilst this was going on. So that kind of dirties the water. You could see the writing was on the wall. You were offloading your bad assets before anybody else could. And when everybody else tried to offload, you told them, sorry, the bank is closed. Yeah. So, I mean, that goes back to the whole space is largely unregulated. So, you know, it's not like that has never happened before in a regulated space, but probably less likely to happen in a regulated space. So is that unfair? I mean, yes, by all means, but there are certain companies which are regulated very well. So for example, there's companies called Kraken or Binance, and these are huge exchanges, you know, global exchanges which are regulated in countries such as the UK and other well-established financial districts. So for example, again, not financial advice, but I hold a certain token, which is called Secret Coin or SCRT. And I leave that similar to what I was just describing. You call it staking or proof of stake. So I've left that with Kraken and I've told them you can sit on my SCRT token and I want to return whilst you're sat on it. And that's paying out 20%. And that pays me out every single week. So I look at my account and every week I'm just getting paid 20% over a year, if you will, divided week by week is coming into my account. And as SCRT goes up in value, the 20% they were giving me also goes up in value. So that's money. You know, when we talk about financial advice, I think the one piece of financial advice, which I would be confident in giving somebody is don't just let money sit in your account doing absolutely nothing. If you've got nothing to do with it, you know, if you have disposable income that you have no plans for, it's not even your emergency funds. It's not there for your mom and dad or your kids. The worst thing you can do is just let it sit in your account, depreciating in value. So this is something which I took some money, 
put it into this SCRT. It went from, I bought it at a dollar. It went up to $10. And then I said, okay, I'm just going to stake this thing and get 20% returns on that. It's now back down to a dollar, which is absolutely fine for me because that's when I got in, but it's still giving me 20% at the moment. So I've forgotten about it. It's accumulating there in the background and it's better than just sat in my bank account doing nothing. Yeah. And I think I would agree that if you have cash sitting in the bank right now, inflation is destroying that, the value of that. So this idea that cash in the bank is a safe haven, it's not a safe haven. I don't advocate putting it in Kraken or secret coin or whatever, not advice, but it's just the overall point there should be cash in the bank. If you do not need it as your emergency fund or from something else is getting destroyed by inflation. Oh, there's so many other things that I wanted to talk about because I'm just like a spectator with my popcorn and without any skin in the game. I love watching it. Ethereum has merged. Yeah. I mean, not really a space that I cover personally, but they moved into this kind of like proof of stake energy saving concept. And I think that is early days to see what's going to happen there. They tried to compare it to the kind of Bitcoin halving and said, oh, if this happens, then it's all going to go up in value. That's not happened. It's not the right financial climate for anything to take off at the moment. But it's certainly not damaged it or it's not harmed it. And it's still very early days. Something that I wanted to talk about last time, this is something that I'm really interested in, is NFTs or non-fungible tokens. Because there's been all kinds of little pictures basically that are sold for hundreds of thousands of dollars, which are NFTs, but maybe that's useful. Maybe it's not, but there are some other uses of NFTs that really excite me. And I know this is a space that you're pretty hot on. Yeah. So NFTs, non-fungible tokens, you know, just to kind of demystify it, the idea of saying something is fungible is saying $1 is worth $1. So they can be directly exchanged. Whereas a non-fungible token is you know, the classic example is a piece of art. A piece of art couldn't be exchanged with another piece of art. They're completely unique in identity. And that's been coded on blockchain. And the way that it's kept on this kind of chain will always tell you who was the creator, who is the owner. And as the owner changes hands, the authenticity of who owns this original digital stamp of this product will be exchanged. So NFTs typically will be some kind of art. And then you can say, yes, you can all see it online but I'm the original owner and I can prove that on the blockchain. For me, it's quite entertaining as well, because when I go on YouTube and I look at NFTs in healthcare, you know, lots of people now, you know, getting on the bandwagon. I think, you know, Tommy, I've been in this space since 2017. And now everyone's like, oh, this is this new thing. And, you know, we could do this with it. It's like, I've kind of been saying it for five years plus, but it doesn't really matter what it is, whether it's NFTs or traditional blockchain. You know, from my experience of having medical chain, the company, you know, our healthcare system has so many problems and this is such a nice to have for a healthcare system. You know, right now their biggest issues are car parking spaces in a hospital. Their biggest issues are a backlog in surgery and telling somebody, but I've put medical records in the blockchain, you know, traditional blockchain in our case, it's not really the biggest problem that they're trying to solve. You could argue that what we've built and what we've made would solve a lot of their problems because it would help patients port their medical records from one institution to another. And you know that, that could help you clear a backlog because now other clinicians that could actually be dialed up to help take that workload can now deal with those patients. If you wanted to move the workload offshore, you know, there's lots of things we take advantage of in terms of India, South Africa and other regions of the world where there's cheaper labor for professionals. You could do this with healthcare if times are that desperate. I'm sorry, you prefer to have a UK trained doctor or an IMG, if you will, that's been trained here in the UK for the final stage of their medical training. But right now, if you want an appointment today, there's a doctor in Delhi who has access to your medical records. 
They know what our standards are and they're happy to see you there. You know, if you really wanted to be disruptive in this space, you could do it, but it's not their biggest problems. Yeah. And if you haven't listened to our previous episode 60, as soon as I heard about medical chain, it just made so much sense to me, you know, and check out episode 60. But basically... Just having your medical records accessible anywhere, anytime by anyone that you give permission to access the blockchain. So secure and using the same kind of blockchain technology that Bitcoin is built on. Have I summarized that correctly or have I butchered it? No, I think you've done a very good job. I think you've heard me bang on about this long enough. Some of it has filtered through. I would say just coming back to NFTs, I think if you're looking into that space, you are just taking a massive punt. You know, talking about technology that underpins an investment opportunity is one thing. But unless you really are an expert in art and you know who the artist is and you know that this artist, you know, their scarcity of their work is going up and up and up and they look like they're going to be the next Banksy. Why are you investing in something you have no idea about? You have no idea. You just saw a picture and thought somebody will buy this off me for more money in the future. Why? Yeah, it's speculative for sure. I guess it's like the idea of having a non-fungible token that you could exchange for things is quite exciting to me. I'm not excited at all about the art. And, you know, you might be thinking, why has someone paid like £100,000 for a little picture that they can display online, right? And let's just be honest, it's a flex. It's about status. And if you're thinking, well, I would never do that. You know, why do you drive a shiny car? But these are all displays of status and it's a way to display your status online. So, yep, fair play. But I don't know, I feel like NFTs have got a lot more possibilities. Like you could issue a token that would enable you to get a year's medical treatment at Perkins GP Practice Incorporated LLP or whatever. And then you could like leave that and trade that token to someone else. I don't know. There's a lot of possibilities. There's certain, you know, don't get me wrong. I kind of, because I'm not an expert in art and I do know lots of my friends who are actually, you know, people that have graduated from art school, the history of art from certain universities, they do know about this space and they are moving into this space and it is being taken up and taken seriously by the industry because there are positives to it. But things which I do know, for example, I absolutely love video games. I must play video games, if not once, twice a day. If not on my mobile phone, then on my gaming PC. And NFTs is a really great product in the gaming world. You know, if I complete a certain level or achieve a certain trophy, I'll have that NFT to demonstrate to people that I have achieved and I've unlocked this thing. It took me 400 hours of gaming, which I calculate as this is the value of that NFT. If you would like that trophy or that power up for your character or that special bandana for Ryu, if you will, then you can pay me the money and I'm happy to trade that for you. So there's definitely a place for NFTs. But again, you know, you need to know what the value of things are and know what the value of that NFT is going to be and what it could potentially be in the future. Yeah, there's so much more on my list, but I'm aware that we're running out of time here and you've got a young family now, so I know those strains. So you mentioned that it's time for your propaganda, mate. So you mentioned medical chain. We covered that extensively. What other things are you working on and what do you want to sort of speak about? Yeah, I mean, just to give people the opportunity to look into things. So the more and more I move into the kind of cryptocurrency of the world, the more and more I see the opportunities to be financially free. And I think that's the thing that we always talk about and you promote on your podcast as well, is the idea that you will have a passive income in the background. So I've been involved in a project called Overbit or overbit.com, and it's a Bitcoin and FX trade platform. FX means Forex. Forex means foreign exchange. So when you're trading between pounds and dollars and everything else. So this is something which has been going on since 2018. It's actually doing relatively well. We're quite big in Japan. And it's something which 
if again you have this kind of disposable income forget about overbit just to kind of look into bot trading and i'm sure people have seen these this is again you need to have a level of expertise you'll have lots of outlandish claims of if you just give a hundred dollars to this bot which is basically a program a software it will know how to buy and sell in the market and it will know what to do going forwards it's actually a very exciting space there are people that have done very well out of this an example of this would be eToro if you will. So eToro would let you mimic somebody's trading. And this is similar to what a bot would do. So it would know when to buy, know when to sell, and there's potential there to make profits. So that's something which I've personally been working on in the background. And it's an exciting space for me. I barely understand just when I hear Forex and cryptocurrency trading is probably two of the most risky investments that I know. <laughs> so definitely not a recommendation, not an endorsement from anyone or anything. <laughs> if you are bored and browsing the internet, check it out. But yeah, I mean, just Forex and Bitcoin, like in the same room together, two highly risky expert only trading things. I love it. Brilliant, mate. It was so good to catch up with you. Really look forward to catching up again. Last time we did a podcast, Bitcoin doubled. So we just expect the same again, right? Yeah. I mean, that's the only reason I do these podcasts. That is the extent of our reach and your influence that Bitcoin is going to double we need the voodoo gods on our side and then they'll go in our favor yeah that's basically what it relies on as far as i can tell which is exactly why i'm not touching the space but <laughs> glad to hear that you know from an expert like you so thanks for your time mate really great to catch up with you look forward to having you back on the medics money podcast sometime soon there's tommy thanks again mm -hmm.